these people have come from either just inexperience or maybe a, a series of hurts in their life, and they're coming from the place of, I just don't know that there could be a God, and if he does exist, I don't know that he could be good. You know, these kind of questions. And, and it might, you might not even be here because it was your first choice, but I can guarantee you that God knows you're here. And then there are people in this room that have learned a long time ago, like decades ago, to trust Jesus with their lives, and they started with the same questions as the first person, by the way, but they have learned to trust God, and they have walked with him for decades. I'm actually like old enough to say that now. I've walked with Jesus for like a couple of decades, and, uh, and so it's uh, maybe three, I don't know. And um, yeah, <clears throat> anyways, not the point. But then there's people all in between, and I love the conversations I get to have with people because we're all on this faith journey, but I want you to think about that. What's, what's brought you to this seat today? And within that question, who has brought you to this seat today? I guarantee nobody in this room that woke up today and just church came out of nowhere and you just decided to go to church and you just picked this church like there is a series of events that has happened in your life to lead you into the seat you're sitting in this moment and people have been a part of that journey to get you here right one person one praying grandma will do it by the way uh, they get extra special powers like superpowers from heaven there's the avengers and then there's like praying grandmas and don't mess with them you might hear because of one praying grandmother, or you could be like me, and I have this amazing like team of people that have fed into my life and have helped encourage me to get to this place where I trust Jesus with my whole life, and, and years ago I told him I'd do whatever he wanted me to do. That's a crazy prayer, by the way, and because uh, he will find something for you to do. And, uh, and, and, and in this case, pastoring a bunch of crazy people that are learning to love Jesus, and I just love it. But think about that journey. Think about the people. Right now, God should be reminding you of faces or names in your life. How many's got at least five people just, just start flashing before their eyes that have led them to this place in their faith? Absolutely. And so we're here today because other people took the time to share their faith with us. And we, when we get to next week, when we talk about the how, that's one, another way to think about how to do it. Well, what were the ways that encouraged you to trust the Lord? Was it somebody attacking you or was it somebody loving on you? And in my case, it was many somebodies loving on me and, and sharing God's truth with me. The purpose of this series is to keep us focused on the mission, and we'll just call it the great rescue. That's the mission. There is a world out there, and that's part of what we made the case for last week, is that this culture wants us to uh, just partition ourselves off and say that this is our truth. And that it's okay to be excited about it here, but it, it's not relevant to what somebody else believes. And so this whole thing comes on the premise that there is only, truth can only be truth if it's truth. I, that's like a really dumb thing to say, but if truth is subjective, then how could it be? It's not, 
we've, we've tricked ourselves into just wanting to feel good about what everybody else believes and so that we can't uh, speak truth into other people's lives because then it's out of bounds and it becomes hateful and things like that. So this series is built on the premise that we agree with what Jesus said, and that is that he is the way, the truth, the life, and that's our access point, everyone's access point to heaven, and it said that no one can come to the Father outside of that. And so we have this great rescue then because if you've been paying attention, most of the world is not calling on the name of Jesus and trusting Him as their Lord and Savior, right? So we've got something to do. So the purpose of the series is to keep us focused on the mission, the great rescue. I want to open up, we're just going to be in uh, one book and one chapter today. Darn near the middle of the Bible are these groups of of uh, books, and uh, they're, they're written by what's called prophets, and I'll explain that. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34 today. And so this guy, Ezekiel, uh, was a prophet of God. Well, what's that mean? That sounds, ooh, prophet. For, for the most simplest description I can give you is a prophet is somebody that God used to speak to at least one other person. And in the case of these guys in the middle of the Bible, they were used to speak to at least the nation of Israel and sometimes often other kings, other nations. They were his mouthpiece to anybody that would listen, basically. So we get to actually share God's word with people today. We get to, in a sense, be his prophets today. So, so I don't want you intimidated by that word. God would tell them sometimes things that were going to happen, sometimes if this didn't happen, this would, you know, and sometimes there would be some future telling, but often it was just speaking to them in the moment and addressing things that were going on, okay? So now we're caught up on what a prophet is. Let's listen to the prophet Ezekiel and the word that God gave him. We're going to read six verses at first. So Ezekiel 34, 1 through 6. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool. Now, I don't drink sheep milk. You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak, you have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty, so my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through the, all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Well, we're used to words of Jesus in the newer part of the Bible called the New Testament where he challenges us to go find, you know, uh, there's stories about the prodigal son and things. We're going back like a thousand years before Jesus. And here are the words of the Father God concerned for the lost. What are the emotions you hear in these words? Do you hear anger at the lost people? What was that? Because that's a big rumor going around this world that God's just mad at everybody. Did you hear any anger 
at the lost in that statement. Who is he mad at? The people that knew the truth and weren't reaching out to the lost. I hear emotions like concern. I hear frustration, right? Well, it's who is he talking to? In this context, uh, you have Israel is, is basically has been overcome as a country, and so it's been dispersed into under the rule of other empires that have come through at the time. This is all part of world history. These are factual things. And, and God is challenging his leaders to hang on to the people through this time. They're facing judgment because things have happened and they've lost their kind of independence as, as a nation. But he's saying, you've got people missing. But I believe this applies to us today that anybody who knows the truth and, and, and has something to share with other people that we have a, an obligation here. Now, I lose something on an almost daily basis. Um, keys, uh, my phone, my brain, um, my computer. Like, I, I just do this, and, and I make my poor wife crazy, and I will go to Mach 10, like, just angry at myself, and, and like, where is this? Like, I lose things, and so don't, don't give me something small, because it's gone. I have five tape measures because I can't find them. Like, I have to buy more tape measures, so it's like, there's a reason why I have two or three tools, because I couldn't find it when I needed it, so... Does this sound like God is looking and upset about missing keys? It sounds like something that's a little more important than that. And so we're, we have this kind of shepherding 101 going on in this about taking care, mending the sheep, allowing them to heal. And here's another thing about being a shepherd. Notice that God didn't say, the sheep are scattered. He said, my sheep are scattered. He's not just missing, this isn't just like I've misplaced something, like I misplaced Jupiter or something. Like it's, I'm trying to think of what God could lose. Like, this is your first time here. I've, I'm full of bad jokes. Please come back. Yeah, they get worse some days. <laughs> Have you ever hired a babysitter? What about that first time? Moms are like, they're, like they're, they're spazzing just thinking about it. Like Now some moms are like, I don't care who you are, you got a pulse. Keep, feed them ding-dongs, keep them alive, and Mountain Dew, I don't care. I got to get out of here for two hours. But most of the time, like, there's this trepidation, like, I'm leaving my kids with somebody. Right? And so you usually do some due diligence. Hopefully you're not to the point of desperation where you're like, okay, the dog will probably, you know, get somebody's attention if something goes wrong. Like, you actually are, are doing some research and making sure that, that you know, the person's coming is, is hopefully somebody you already know. But, but what if when you're are interviewing unknown babysitters, like you're going through and you're trying to find somebody, you've got some concerns, Right? Because ultimately, you want them to understand that they're your kids. And they've been left with this heavy responsibility of not just keeping them alive, but actually 
being kind to them, caring for them, taking care of their needs, and making sure that they're in one piece for mom or dad when they get picked up. And so this is the weight that's attached to this word from the Lord when he talks about his sheep. And, and so we need to have the same weight as if when we would leave our children in the home of somebody else and walk away. I don't do that unless I'm 100% confident in, in how my kids are going to be treated, right? This is the weight that's attached. And so for our church and for every church, invite culture, that's a word, a, a phrase I want to throw out to you today, is it comes down to ownership. Invite culture, what am I talking about? That is where on a regular basis, people in this group feel like it's not out of obligation, but it is a common expression to just invite somebody to church. Like you, you like where you're going. Hopefully you do. You come back, so it would be crazy if you didn't. But it actually becomes like, man, so-and-so, so-and-so really could have benefited from being here today. And, and God starts prompting you to invite certain people. And, and because that's the, that's the, it, it's the path that's necessary because just like a family can become extinct, that if, if those kids don't stop having kids, churches wind down because new people aren't coming in. And that seems obvious, but where is the responsibility for, that, for those invitations? Who, me? Yes, you. Not just me. As our church grows, we need to stay focused on the mission. I believe many churches do a great job of taking care of their members, just like most families do a great job of taking care of their kids. So I got a question for you. For those of you that have more than one kid, which one do you love the most? You're, don't answer that out loud. Maybe the one that actually got ready on time for church this morning and, and didn't spin their head around and vomit and cause you grief. You might prefer them a little more. Which one do you love more? You really shouldn't have an answer to that, by the way. Now, it's, they've proven with like psychiatrists and stuff that parents are naturally closer to different kids, you know, like different parents can be, and, and especially different points in your life and at different points in their life. That's, where, that's normal. How do you show love? Oftentimes the care that you give them and the time spent. So what happens when a kid is really sick? You are probably loving that kid more in that situation. Does that make sense? What happens when a kid runs into a hard time and they're just getting into trouble and they're, I mean, this, is, this happens. What are mom and dad consumed with? The kid that's in trouble. Does this, those of you that have more than one kid, like this is normal. When, when one kid's really struggling in school, that's the kid you're concerned about. That's the one you're talking about. Does that mean you love that kid more? No, but they require that attention in that situation. And, and then the downside of this is if something is chronic, let's say there's a, a, a chronic illness or a chronic pattern of bad behavior and one kid dominates the attention, good or bad. How do the other kids feel? 
You get jealous even if there's a good reason. They care that their brother's sick. They care that their brother's... In, you see what I'm saying? This happens on a, in, in an, every family that is being honest about what's going on in between their, their walls. Move that to the church situation. It is very important that we take care of the people in this fellowship that are an active part of who we are. But what a healthy church does is we take care of everybody coming through the doors, but we don't forget about the ones that are missing. So this is where we're at today. This is, if a kid, if one of my kids was missing, I remember this was a couple years ago in, in my neighborhood, uh, so it was a Pickerington kid, a 10-year-old, I think at the time, was missing. Anybody remember that? And went through on Facebook. I mean, it went, it just flew through the community. Next thing you know, my family, along with everybody else that got word, was just scouring Pickerington looking for this 10-year-old kid. And I mean, we were, I mean, I was down in, I mean, it's, there's a lot of houses, but we still got some places where kids could get lost. And I mean, we're down, I'm down by the creek, Sycamore Creek, I'm looking, and, and, and finally, the word finally passes through everybody that the kid was found. He had, uh, 10 years old, had walked on his own trying to get to his dad's house like a few miles away or something like that. Crazy. But when that kid was missing, if one of my kids was missing, you all would think I was a terrible father if I just went about life's business. That's the, that's the weight that's attached to the lost. That's the weight attached to the missing. And so, I don't want to grow just for growth's sake. I want to make sure that these empty seats around you become filled with missing people. Right? And so that's, that's, that's where we go out and we find the ones that are on the outside. And so, uh, how do we complete our mission? I want to read you a little bit more of Ezekiel 34. I'm going to jump down to verse 11, I believe. Let's go down to verse 11. I'm going to read through 16. It says, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills. Of Israel, There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. This is the heart of a father missing kids. What does he want to bring them home for? So that he can correct them? Oh, you shouldn't have left. You know? You want to bring them home to judge them? He says, I want to bring them home so that I can help them heal and so that I can give them peace 
Do you know anybody outside of God's family that needs peace today? There may be some sort of cover-up in process where somebody's acting like they don't need it, but if you have a real relationship with people, which is part of what we'll talk about next week, is having real relationships with people, you will quickly hear of the lack of peace in these people's lives. And Father God is calling His people home so that He can give them peace. Is that beautiful? So let's talk through this. We've got four parts of our mission. The first one, verse 11 says, let's read it again, I, will, I myself will search and find my sheep. We need to find them. Here, little sheep. Yeah, don't do that. Walk around your hallways at work going, bah, no. Like Marco Polo or something. Got one! Like, no. You're searching. And I heard this other teaching related to another part of this. God gives this continuous word similar to this throughout these uh, chapters in Israel. And there's another word used of, a, um, of somebody, a watchman on the, on the tower or on the walls. What would a watchman on the walls of a city back then, what would their job have been? It was to look for trouble coming. What's a watchman's job? Just to see the trouble coming and go back to sleep? Ah, that stinks. I'm glad I'm up here. Ooh, going to be a doozy. That's a pretty big army uh, stacking up out there. Ooh, man, I'm going to get some popcorn. No, their job is to... There's an army coming. Like, there's... Can they do anything about the people's response? Can you make people get ready for trouble? Can you make people respond to trouble? Can you make, I'm a dad of three kids, can you make anybody do anything? I'm a pastor of you guys. Can, can I make anybody do anything? No. The sooner you realize that in life, it's just you, serenity now. Thank you, those of you that laughed. No. But the job is to release the warning, is to announce what's coming. And so that's part of this as we seek people out is, is to simply let people know there's peace available. God has a plan for your life. If, if you ever want to talk about what's going on in your life, I'm here for you. I keep giving away next week. I'm going to keep seeking and finding out people, and I'm just simply the watchman. I'm just simply... The prophet. I'm simply letting people know what's out there, who's up here, that he loves them, and then can I make them do anything? No. But the Word of God promises that the Holy Spirit has most likely set up your encounter where you shared Jesus in the first place, and the Holy Spirit is drawing people back. And so often, we are just the ones that put what they're feeling, we just are often the ones that give language to it. You feel unsettled no matter what you do. Yeah, you've, you've been in a series of relationships. They're, they're all negative. You're, you're, you're having this pattern. And, and I'm not here to judge you. I, I dealt with some junk in my life. But I'm seeing this, and, and there's a God that loves you. I'm, you're, you're seeking the lost. 
Four parts of our mission. The first one is to find them. Number two is to bring them home. Well, why on earth would our whole vision statement be welcome home? Is it just cute? Is it just so we, th- we think we're some homey, cool church that you're just going to feel comfortable at? Partially. We've got a lot of trouble with, with how things feel here, and we want, to, we want you to feel comfortable when you walk into the space. There's a whole lot more design things that we want to do as, after we fix things like leaking roofs. And, and um, it's not just a catchphrase. It's we want people to come back home. We want people to experience the peace that we've found. We want people to know that there's a God that loves them. We want them to settle in. And that may not happen. Somebody may not be willing necessarily to come with you to church, although oftentimes people will if you ask them. Um, but they, they surely might engage with you about faith over lunch. You know, so you might have to be the church at your lunch hour instead of bringing them to church. See what I'm saying? So church to go maybe. But bring them home. Number one, find them. Number two, bring them home. Number three is feed them. Let's read uh, verse 13b again, just the second half of 13. It says, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. This this follows up with that idea of maybe sharing uh, with somebody over lunch. This seems to imply that God is going to take care of them where they are at. And this goes against, it's, it's not this church, and, and even the church I came out of didn't think this, but churches over the years have fallen into this trap of you've got to get kind of cleaned up, show up here, be ready to start paying attention, sign up for Bible study, start putting your money in the, in the box, and... Then, then God's going to start getting to work on you. What? That just make, Those are things that make us feel better when, when we can see visible change in people's life. God isn't requiring that. Those things might come, and things like giving and, and becoming a part of, a, of God's community and being a part of a local church, those are things that should come out of a growing faith, and they're definitely a part of a healthy faith, but they're not a do this and then kind of thing. This says God wants us to feed them where they are. Wow. And if you go back to that faith journey that's brought you here today, I'll bet that you're here today because somebody and somebody's fed you where you were. Does that sound right? Is that a part of your story? It's a part of my story. So the first one is to find them. The second one is to bring them home. The third one is to feed them. And the, let's go back to verse 16 again. It says, I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. Number four is to help them heal. I think so often we expect, uh, we should look for miracles. I don't, don't mishear me. But when somebody has come through a lifetime of pain, we want them to just 
like start drinking the Jesus juice and like, you know, like everything's better all of a sudden. Now, if, you're, if your soul is in a better place, the, big, the most important thing has changed, and that is immediate. But when I've shared Jesus with kids that are in homes filled with addicted parents or abusive situations or somebody is dealing with this and at this job or whatever else, I'm not necessarily changing their home life. I'm not changing and undoing the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of their life. They need to heal. Now, God uses us immediately, and so I believe that part of our healing is to begin serving, and, and some, of the, uh, some of the rawest Christians make the best people on short-term mission trips because they're just, they're, just, they're just ready to go. But they're still broken. Like there's this, there's this weight that they're still dragging around with them. And so shouldn't our church be a place where the injured can find healing? Absolutely. I believe that there are, we're surrounded by broken people. Yes, Jesus is the answer. And, and yes, that begins with a, a acknowledging Him as their Lord and Savior and, and, and being welcomed home into the family. But then there's a life that has to be lived. There, there's healing that needs to come. And so we should be a place that is, at, at the very least, we may not have our own set of licensed counselors or something like that, but we know how to network people to the resources they need. And this is a big reason to be a part of community groups and a big reason to serve on teams in this place because when you're rubbing shoulders with other people, they've probably, maybe somebody else has healed from something similar or at least something that relates. And so we need to be a place where people can find healing. Now there's this last little phrase, like there's this really nice, tender list of things that God gives, but here's what I believe is so important that we make available here at this church, and the only way I can describe it is, 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 a, is, is that we want to teach all of God's truth. And so there's this last phrase. I just want to read it again. It says, But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. So that would be like having smooth jazz on the radio, like the first six verses we just heard. Ah, Kenny G, you're so amazing. Okay, maybe not so amazing. But, and then all of a sudden, somebody hits a preset like that Joker 14-year-old that's riding in the car with you, and next thing you know, you're on the blitz. <laughs> like, this scripture goes from like, Ah, they're going to lay down in green pastures and we're going to care for them, but I will destroy the fat and powerful. Like, we just went from... The, the station got changed, right? This is why we want to teach a full thing is because God wants to address, He says, I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. What? So that's like the mindset that we falsely think of God as how he's looking at the, at the lost, that he just wants to feed them justice. And I've seen people witness in this way. God just, God's going to give you justice. Ooh. This says, 
who he wants to give justice to. It says the fat and the powerful. And so you got to go to the beginning of what we read in this chapter. Who is he addressing? The leaders that were keeping the best for themselves and not feeding the people around them, but just eating all of it. What? We don't need a church full of fat sheep that only consume what's in front of them. Is that okay to say that? We, it's not just for us. It's not just for us. So Jesus wants you to be healed, and He wants you to have your needs met. We just heard that. That is His heart for you. But can I tell you that there's a marriage connected to you that is on the last leg? And you may not be able to save it. But you might and you should be able to offer hope. Right? Can, can the watchman take responsibility for what happens to the people after he tells them the truth? No. But can I tell you that there's a marriage around you that's in trouble? Can I tell you that there's a person related to you or connected to you that's fighting cancer that needs to know that there's hope in Jesus in the midst of chronic pain and a disease that, for all they know, will eventually take their life? And friends, you've you got to believe what you believe if you're going to share that kind of hope with somebody. Those are... Those are dark spaces. Those are deep waters, right? And they don't need anything cliche. They don't need a, a just a, God loves you, brother. They need somebody that says, God sees you. I see you. If I care, I can only imagine how much God cares, and I don't know why, but I know that you can trust Him through this. I just found out a... a one of our suppliers, the other company that I work for, one of our suppliers, his daughter just died of an overdose. It was her 11th overdose. Her life had been saved 10 times. And so this family has just, I had no idea. This, just, can, these, this information just came through. because, So this family has just dealt with one of their kids has had this decades-long addiction. Has been brought back from the dead ten times and then didn't make it this 11th. What? Friend, I don't know what week you had, but you didn't have that week. Like, and maybe you had a bad one, but like, there are people out there that are, that are stuck and, and, and addiction is, is it's the reason for it. it like, they don't know how to get out. And, and, and there's, I just believe that the church, we need to be a bigger part because we know the answer. But we've got somebody connected to us that's struggling with that or somebody who does. It's closer than you think. Um, maybe you are in a mom's group and, and you can share hope with a mom who is, her identity is just wrapped up in her kids 
And, and that is a fleeting thing. These jokers grow up and move away. I'm finding that out. And, and our identity needs to be in Christ. And so when somebody's identity is, is consumed by something and, and you can speak life to that mom or, or maybe your coworker, uh, their whole life is just consumed with pornography and living for the next payday. There's, there's people around us that are broken. They're messed up. They're smelly. They're dealing with gross stuff. It might not be something you have experienced or something you're comfortable even talking about, but these people are around you and they are going through life and they don't know how to get out. It wouldn't take you long to find somebody in your life that's lonely, lost, or depressed. It might be you. It might be somebody else in your family. It might be your next door neighbor. It might be somebody across the street. But these people are all around us. Who, me? Yes, you. Find them. Bring them home. Feed them and help them heal. That sounds good. Like that sounds like going to mama's house. Like come find him. Come home. What's the first thing we're going to do? We're going to eat. And then what's wrong? What do you need help with? Does that sound like a church you want to be a part of? Man, it does. That's God's heart. And if I'm being honest with you, that's what the church, like that's why I love being, I love being a part of the church because that's what God designed it to be. It designed it to, he designed it to be a place that would find the lost, bring them home, feed them, and help them heal. Can we pray this morning? With heads bowed, just revisit a couple portions of today's message. You may be the lost one today. And I sure hope that lost people always come to this church. You might feel lost today. The floor might have fell out a long time ago. You could have lost somebody. Something could have happened to you. You could have been dealt a bad hand. You could be facing a diagnosis. I don't know. But these words today, these words that we read today talk about a father who is concerned for the ones outside. For the ones that haven't come home. And he says, come home today. He says, I welcome you. I'm not here with judgment. I'm here to forgive you. I'm here to feed you. 
I'm here to make you whole. If today's your day to cross that line of faith, if you've been away from God for a long time or you've never trusted Him with your life, if, if that's you today and you're ready to come home, I'd like you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. He says He wants to give you peace today. For those of us that do know Him and love Him, hopefully that encourages you today. He offers you His peace today. For those of us in this room that call God our Father and Jesus our Savior, then that means He calls the missing your missing brother or your missing sister. He puts that much weight on it. Who, me? Yes, you. Would this be a church that we would find the lost, that we would welcome them home, that we would feed them and help them heal? If you're with me on that, would you just raise your hand with me around this building? I want to see who's standing with me. I appreciate it. I love it. I believe we're going to reach people. God, we give you our hearts today. We give you our abilities. We give you our schedules. Father God, we thank you that you have called us your own. And God, we thank you that you take care of us. But God, part of this journey is that we would not forget those on the outside. So God, I thank you that you would help us to see those people to see the mom, to see the coworker, to see the cancer patient, God, to see the addict, to see those that are struggling with who they are outside of who you designed them to be. And God, we say we're in. Receive our offering of who we are today. We thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in worship. We'll have prayer teams up here available to pray with you. If you need a healing today, if you have something going on in your life, some decision that you're facing, you're concerned for somebody else, you want to talk to somebody, please come up and ask for prayer today. They would be honored and privileged to pray with you. If you made a decision today, we want to follow up with you. You do everything through the Next Step Center. And uh, we just are honored that you would be with us here this morning. Let's worship.